Welcome to Junior L's and Now What? UQQ Part 3, Episode 205. So this is the Ultimate Question Quest Part 3. As a refresher, this quest started with the purpose of life, which led to joy, then to Christ. Now to the next question of faith. Ultimate question number nine. What is faith? Why is it important? Is it only relevant on earth or mortality? How does this question apply? We need some vehicle to know how or why to believe in something. Faith is one such vehicle. So what is faith? I've touched on this subject a few times throughout my podcast. Examples would be episode 10 and 57, I think, if I've got my notes written down correctly, and I know I've mentioned it other times. However, it bears reviewing. In simple terms, it is belief in action. In truth, it is much more, certainly much deeper. However, let's start with this simple principle. We use faith every day, yet we don't often call it that. An example is numbers. We have faith that numbers don't end. In other words, they are infinite. We can't count to infinity to prove it, unless, of course, you're Chuck Norris, who has counted to infinity twice. Yet we use this principle to continue to count onward and use bigger numbers. If we doubted or thought they ended, our whole society would change, and much of our growth with finances and science, just to name a few, would halt. Another example is the philosophical question of the tree. We've all heard it before. If a tree falls on in the woods and no one is around to hear it, does it make a sound? We may think about it, but how many of us mock it as it seems preposterous? Yet, we all believe that obviously it makes a sound. Now, if you go to a philosophical class, they'll teach you the meaning behind the question and as it goes a little bit deeper than that. But let's not dig that deep specifically. What we're trying to look at here is the idea that there is no evidence that the tree made a sound because no one was there to witness it. Yet, we still believe that it took place. So how do we know that it made a sound? Well, the simple answer is faith. So how do we know what to have faith in? I would start by saying to stop looking for perfection in the mortal. As far as we know, there are only a few truly perfect things. One is Christ and God by default. And the gospel or Christ's truth, if you will. I'd say math or the laws of the universe. However, that is a supposition on my part. Having said that, I will reference those things later as a potential perfect. However, I will also note here and now that to my knowledge, no religion, or certainly my faith, has not come out and explicitly said that mathematics is perfect. And because we as mere mortals have a finite knowledge and understanding of the universe around us, it is not possible for us to truly declare that it is perfect. But it is perfect enough for my purposes here. The point is, faith is a core principle of Christ. He'd therefore not give us anything to believe in that was too obvious, and therefore requiring no faith. I have a series of scriptures that I'm going to read here, ranging from the Bible to the Book of Mormon, 
that help to detail out some specifics about faith. After I read each one, I will give a brief summary, but this is my interpretation of these passages. But if, if I were in your shoes, I'd want to reread them myself to truly get my own take, a perspective of them. So let's begin in the Bible, in the New Testament, in the book of John, chapter 3, verse 8. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit." This, to me, conveys one idea of faith, the idea that we experience wind, but we don't know the source. That doesn't change the fact that we believe wind exists, and therefore we work around it, or with it, with wind turbines and um, kites and other various things. So this is just one example from a scriptural perspective of really a real-world reflection of faith. The next one is in the Book of Mormon. The book of Alma, chapter 32, verse 21. And now as I said concerning faith, faith is not to have a perfect knowledge of things. Therefore, if ye have faith, ye hope for things which are not seen, which are true. Again, this reiterates the idea that if it is too obvious, if it is right before us, and we can't help but believe it, therefore we don't need faith. And to me, that actually is suspect. The idea behind faith is it should be something that can't be obvious or obviously proven, or I would even go so far as to say, obviously disproven. The next one is also in the Book of Mormon, the Book of Ether, chapter 12, verses 8 and 9. But because of of the faith of men, he has shown himself unto the world, and glorified the name of the Father, and prepared a way that thereby others might be partakers of the heavenly gift, that they might hope for those things which they have not seen. Wherefore, ye may also have hope and be partakers of the gift, if ye will but have faith. So this is a promise of sorts related to the fact that we can be partakers of this gift and hope if we have faith. So there's another added reason to have faith. The next scripture is in the Bible in the New Testament, the book of Matthew, chapter 17, verse 20. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. To me, this is one of the greatest reasons to have faith, is this power that Christ is talking about. Now, obviously, if we have faith and we just simply say to do it and it doesn't happen, that doesn't mean our faith was misplaced because arguably, I don't know that God's just going to simply say, hey, you have faith, so therefore you can do whatever you want. I don't think it works quite that way, but it still feels like a key or a gateway to access those powers. The next one is in the Book of Mormon, the Book of Ether, chapter 12, verse 18. And neither at any time hath any wrought miracles until after their faith. Wherefore, they first believed in the Son of God. You hear about people who say, show me or prove it to me. Uh, I met an individual while I was on my mission who says, I won't believe until an angel stands in my room and tells me that God exists. 
But based off of this scripture, that tells me that it is mutually exclusive. You are not going to have that visit unless you're going to have faith first. And that faith then can open the door to those miracles. So it's kind of an interesting catch-22, if you will. And the final one from this set is in the book of uh, the Bible, I'm sorry, the Bible, the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seeketh him. To me, this is one of the singular greatest reasons to have faith, is that it is impossible to please God if we do not have faith. And therefore, it is, as I mentioned before, kind of the greatest and most important keys of all the principles that I will be discussing up to this point, at least in and as far as finding that path or that source to joy. These scriptures may help with understanding what faith is and even why we need it. This topic is so huge, it is worth more time in the future for further delving. But for now, this sufficeth me for my purposes in the what's and why. What about the who? Who or what should we have faith in? There are many examples in science and life in general where we have faith. I've, I've mentioned some of those examples up to this point, but that isn't for this focus. The focus of this is the spiritual, the eternal, the focus of the opposite of the adversary. I mentioned the opposite as a sidebar here for a moment, because sometimes we don't understand something by itself as well until we think about it as the opposite of something else, that contrast. Uh, I've mentioned this before. I have a difficulty with colors. Um, I, I tried to explain it to one of my children recently. It, it's it's like all of the, the colors are um, vague, maybe is a good word for it. And therefore, when I really want to see them, I see them by contrast. And that makes it easier for me to distinguish. And so when I describe things to people, sometimes for us to understand them, seeing the opposite helps. So back on topic again. I can't convince you of anything. Nobody can. It is for you to choose. However, I have a few quotes and scriptures that I've used to help me answer the questions that I've just mentioned from above. The first one is a quote from an individual named Megan, and I'm going to butcher this last name, Armknecht. Uh, the last name is spelled A-R-M-K-N-E-C-H-T. This is from June of 2017, and the talk is entitled, How to Face Uncertainty with Faith. When we are unsure, it is easy to let fear paralyze us. Sometimes we even choose not to make a decision because we think we are going to mess up. Don't be afraid of uncertainty. Here are three things you can do when you don't know what else to do. Educate your desires, move forward with faith, and glory in the mystery of your future. I don't have a note about this story, but I'm going to share it anyway. A number of years ago, I was on a business trip in Texas, staying at a hotel, and oftentimes when I'm on business trips, I will travel down to wherever the, the kitchen area is to get my food and take it back to my room. Um, mostly, and this is kind of embarrassing, because I didn't have to worry about tipping um, a bellboy or whomever brings the food uh, because of business expenses. I just wanted to keep it simple. So anyways, this was one of those cases 
And I happen to be surrounded by individuals from various faiths and various locations. So, you know, again, it's a, it's a hotel. And we were just chatting briefly. And the, the fact that I came from Utah came up. And from there, we started talking about religion and discussing the differences in what we believed. And one of the individuals said, you know what? There's just so much out there to choose from. I'm afraid of making the wrong decision. And therefore, I'm just going to simply not make a decision. And this quote meant a lot to me. Um, obviously, I didn't have it in my pocket at the time. I guess that's not obvious. I did not have it in my pocket in the time. Uh, what I did share with the person, though, is find something that is good and then build from there. Um, don't stall yourself out of fear. Uh, and that's kind of what this quote said. And the reason why I'm bringing it up here is faith is no different, especially when you're looking for the source. Excuse me. When you're looking for the source of what you should have faith in. Uh, don't let fear stop you from selecting and moving forward. That is not something we're intended to do. The goal is to progress. And if we're stopped, then we're not progressing. The next quote comes from the Book of Mormon, the Book of Alma, chapter 32, verse 28. Now we will compare the word unto a seed. Now, if you give place that a seed may be planted in your heart, behold, it be a true seed or a good seed. If ye do not cast it out by your unbelief, that ye will resist the spirit of the Lord, behold, it will begin to swell within your breasts. And when you fill these swelling motions, you will begin to say within yourselves, it must needs be that this is a good seed, or that the word is good, for it beginneth to enlarge my soul, yea, it beginneth to enlighten my understanding, yea, it beginneth to be delicious to me. There's a lot in this very single verse. A number of episodes ago, uh, I shared a talk that I gave in church where this specific passage came up, where Alma the Younger is actually using the scientific method to discuss faith and how you should make a choice or could make a choice. And what it boils down to is uh, find something that seems good and then try it, experiment with it and help it to grow. Because if you just take something and then set it aside, it's going to die whether it's right or not. So you've got to work at it. And if it continues to grow and it continues to do good, then it's likely something good, which is kind of goes back to the previous episode where I talked about joy and how there's two types. There's the eternal and then there's the short-term or limited and we want to go for the eternal. In other words, something that will continue, like the number line, forever. The next passage is in the, the Book of Mormon, in the Book of Ether, chapter 4, verse 11. But he that believeth these things which I have spoken, him will I visit with the manifestations of my spirit, and he shall know and bear record. For because of my spirit he shall know that these things are true, for it persuadeth men to do good. That last part is what I wanted to focus on, is it persuadeth men to do good. It is another way that we can focus on what we should have faith in. If others have faith in it and they are doing good, it should be a good sign that it must be something good. Is every person that believes in it going to be good or perfect? No, because once again, this goes back to the idea of faith. There's going to be imperfection. There's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. But that doesn't mean there shouldn't be some kind of signs there to help us guide. Ether 12.4 in the Book of Mormon is the next one. 
Wherefore, whoso believeth in God might with surely hope for a better world, yea, even a place at the right hand of God, which hope cometh of faith, maketh an anchor to the souls of men, which would make them sure and steadfast, always abounding in good works, being led to glorify God. Once again, this one has a lot in it. Promises, things that we should hope for, also kind of leaning towards stuff we should look for as we're trying to find something to have faith in. The next one comes from a talk. This one is a talk from President Russell M. Nelson in October of 2022. The talk is entitled, Overcome the World and Find Rest. I reaffirm, and I have used this quote already, but I'm going to quote it again. I reaffirm a profound teaching of President Ezra Taft Benson. Men and women who turn their lives over to God will discover that he can make a lot more out of their lives than they can. He will deepen their joys, expand their vision, quicken their minds, lift their spirits, multiply their blessings, increase their opportunities, comfort their souls, raise up friends, and pour out peace. This is just another result of something that God can do for us if we choose to have faith in him. Again, another reason to have uh, the who answered as far as what to have or who to have faith in. The next one is also from the Book of Mormon, specifically the Book of Moroni, not to be confusing, chapter 7, verse 16. For behold, the Spirit of Christ is given to every man, that he may know good from evil. Wherefore, I show unto you the way to judge. For everything which inviteth to do good and to persuadeth to believe in Christ is sent forth by the power and gift of Christ. Wherefore, ye may know with a perfect knowledge it is of God. I put this one in this podcast for two reasons. One reason is this reference to the Spirit of Christ. Um, one term that I have heard used is the light of Christ. Every single person is born with it. It is something for us to lean on, something for us to have hope in that might help us to make these kind of decisions. So as at the end of this episode, I'm going to briefly talk about that. So I'll pause on that thought for the moment and move on to the other one. And then this other one is also kind of the idea of what to look for. And it says to persuade it, persuade it or <laughs> for everything which inviteth to do good. So there's that reference again. And then to end this part is in the Bible, the New Testament, the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 20. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. This is also another thing to look for. Again, it's not going to be perfection, but we're looking for something that is going to be, hey, this group of people seems happier, or this group of people seems to want to do good, or hey, this group of people seems to know and understand what they believe and what they teach. That kind of mentality helps to focus that. I was surrounded in Alabama and Florida by a bunch of wonderful people who truly did not understand, and this could be insulting and I apologize for that, but it was the truth. They truly didn't understand what they believed. Yeah, they believed in the Bible, hence the Bible Belt, and they believed in Christ, which in and of themselves are fantastic, important, arguably imperative. However, that's where the knowledge seemed to end. They didn't truly understand who the apostles were, what they were preaching or teaching. And to me, that was sad. Um, granted, I love to learn. So take that for what it's worth. 
I had mentioned a moment ago that that last passage I was going to read was the last of this section. The truth of the matter is I have one more. Um, I had to flip pages in my notes and I had forgotten about this one. This passage is arguably the most important scripture to me personally, and it has had the greatest impact in my life. And so I will quote it often throughout this series, not just because of what it's done for me, but because it explains a lot. This is also in the book of Ether, the book, uh, the book of Mormon, the book of Ether, chapter 12, verse 6. And before I read it, I want to give a, sh- a short history. Um, in the history of the Book of Mormon, if we're talking about those that originally engraved the golden plates from which Joseph Smith eventually translated them to, to actually write the, the Book of Mormon, the last living prophet back in those days, so we're talking around 400 AD, his name was Moroni, and his race, the Nephites, had basically been wiped out by their adversaries, which was the Lamanites and the Gadianton robbers. And he was the last. He was on the run from them. And he had to hide up the sacred work because those that were chasing him wanted to destroy them. And as you're reading through the Book of Mormon, you find a couple of points where he kind of said, well, I thought I was going to die, but I didn't. So I dug them back up and I wrote some more. Well, this was one of those moments where he took literally thousands of years of history, the Book of Ether, which is only 15 chapters in the Book of Mormon, but its history is enormous, and paraphrase those 15 chapters, or that history, into 15 chapters. This chapter 12 is almost solely dedicated to faith, as it related to both the people, as well as his people, as well as to us. And so this is my favorite chapter in the Book of Mormon. I read it and reread it because I learn something new every single time. All right, so enough said. Ether chapter 12, verse 6. And now I, Moroni, would speak somewhat concerning these things. I would show you, show unto the world that faith, which is, faith is things which are hoped for and not seen. Wherefore, dispute not because ye see not, for ye receive no witness until after the trial of your faith. This leads to the next major question. Ultimate question number 14. What is the difference between proof, witness, and evidence? I end with this notion. Take that light of Christ that I had mentioned before that all humans have and let it guide you to what you should have faith in. And I end with the words from my youngest son, Superman. Smile, be happy, and remember that you're worth it. Thank you for listening. I look forward to having you join me to continue down with this quest. Have a great day.